When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting. The A team that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Rewind Raw. I am John Pollock alongside Wei Ting coming at you on a Monday night following Raw at the Chase Center in San Francisco, California. How are you, Wei? I'm good. The Chase Center, the, the new home of the Golden State Warriors. Wow. Yes. Uh, brand new facility, and they're doing back-to-back nights here. SmackDown's going to be here, too. Okay. Cool. Interesting. I only know this, like, my one kind of, like, sports fact of the year because um because of the raptors that's all okay is it uh, they were playing here by the end of the season no right? no they were oh, it, they oh, were making a, they were making a big deal about how like uh you know it was like golden state's last uh last games at the uh at the oakland arena oh that's right that's right yeah i knew this uh arena was was super new i believe the ufc is going here in a couple of weeks so everyone wants to uh be running this thing I'm sure it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Actually, there is no UFC here. Never mind. Anyway. Oh, so but, you, were, uh, how, you were doing a thing where you were like researching as you were talking. I was. I had it in my head that they were, you know what? I think they were rumored to be going here, and then they ended up landing this fight night card with Joanna uh, and Jacek and Michelle Watterson in Tampa. I think San Francisco, they were rumored to be trying to put it there. But anyway, no UFC there. Did this arena, did it feel any different? Did it look any different? Because, well, these arenas, they always look the same. There, there's no distinct feel to most of them. I, I think that's almost kind of by design, I feel. Like, they're all, they are, like... Well, it literally is by design. Right, yes. But on the inside, like, there's seats, a roof, in most cases. I liked, kind of wh- <laughs> I liked when I was a kid, and I could watch wrestling shows, and if I saw... Uh, a big basketball court on the floor. I knew that was the Boston Garden. I knew that Madison Square Garden had its unique look to it. And not every arena is going to have such uh, defining characteristics. But uh, I, I always like when a when an arena has some character. That's why that was a huge interest for me in baseball because every single ballpark had something. It was you knew, especially from video games, but also in person, the fact that you had like how cool was Fenway Park because of the green monster. Oh, for sure. I, I I imagine though things are really difficult when you're a traveling show and you have to like, you know, produce live TV with I think uh, you know, the same set uh where so you know where all the cameras go, where where all the proper shots are every single week. Um it'd be tough for me to imagine like every arena being somewhat different for a WWE event. Wouldn't that be crazy? Like what would the green monster equivalent be for professional wrestling? Oh, it would have to be one where um, like, it's a, like a uh, really high, like, turnbuckle. Like, that only occurs in, like, you know, New Jersey. <laughs> so guys have to, like, climb really high, but only for that one. It'd be like Matt Rats. Yeah. Like, springboard off of the turnbuckles. That would make things really interesting. Sure. It, it, it certainly would. Well, uh, we're going to go through Raw. We've also got... Uh, Lots to discuss news-wise. We're going to get to your feedback. And off the top, 
There are lots of changes coming here to post-wrestling. So I think what we should do, I think we should quickly go over what's happening this week, and then we can talk about uh, the season premiere of post-wrestling next week and what the new look schedule is going to reflect at post-wrestling. Sounds good to me. All right. So I will go over this week, and then I'll, I will pass it off to the, the schedule master himself, Wei Ting. But coming up this week, Tuesday night, it's the final Tuesday night edition of Rewind to SmackDown. I don't know what we're going to do with our Tuesday nights, way, but we're we're gaining them back in exchange for most of our other free time. Uh, that will be out Tuesday night. Then on Wednesday, uh, we're going to have the final edition of the Double Shot. Way and I uh, will be up for patrons chatting about I don't know what yet. I'm not so sure either. Um, you know, <laughs> We'll maybe- figure out something to talk about, but there isn't a plethora of stuff uh, coming out of this weekend, but... There's always stuff. There's always stuff. I'm sure we'll have more than enough to talk about Wednesday night on the double shot. And if that isn't a hard sell, the last, I don't know what is. The last shot is, I think, what we should call it. Oh, I like it. The last shot this coming Wednesday night. Then uh, Wednesday night as well, we're going head-to-head with Davey and Braden because they will have Up Next coming out that night following week two on the USA Network, which is going to be split. We'll see... What issues, if any, exist on the WWE Network, like last week, if they get all of those corrected. On to Thursday, it's the Cafe Hangout, live at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. If you're a Double Double, Ice Cap, or Espresso member, you can tune in live for that. We'll be taking your phone calls. Then we move to Friday, Rewind Away, number 45. And for all of you people that have been clamoring for us to have some older reviews, well, fear not, we are going back. We are turning the dial back 33 years But we aren't going very far. We're going literally 20 minutes from my house to, well, what was Exhibition Stadium, which exists no more, from August of 1986. Paul Orndorff versus Hulk Hogan in front of 64,000 people. Yes, yes. I'm really excited to talk about this one. Mainly, uh, you know, maybe coming off of all of our arena talk, I'll have plenty of thoughts about this Exhibition Stadium, uh, which no longer exists, but, um, you know, is very much, I think, etched in the memories of many people who live here. And uh, we're going to hear from our good friend, Dan the Mouth Lavransky on that show, because he attended this card, and we're going to chat with him for a couple of minutes about his memories of some of the chaos uh of being in the crowd at this show. Lots to discuss. Uh, I'm looking forward to this one. Have you started the big event? I have, yes. You know, it's it's like only a two-hour show, at least like the <laughs> version that's on on, uh, on WWE Network. But like, I find myself really taking a lot of time with this one because I have to like do a lot <laughs> more like Wikipedia searching for a lot of these names and thinking about what, well, like what was the actual match? What was the storyline that, that occurred? Um, so... It's actually a bit of a longer watch, I have to say, but I think really interesting. How about you and I do the voices of Gorilla Monsoon and Luscious Johnny V for our review? I don't know if I can pull that off. All You can play Gorilla, and it's really easy because anytime you're pausing, just refer to what a happening this is. I could do that, sure. It is a happening. Mm-hmm. Oh, let me tell you something. Wait, I, I don't know what is going on here. Oh, Luscious Johnny V. do all the voices, including Ernie, Ernie Ladd. 
Yeah, Ernie Ladd is on commentary for this whole show. There's parts where you think he's disappeared, but he is there as the third man. If you want to talk about the three-man booth, we've got one coming up August of 1986. So you can check that out on the network. And especially for any of our Toronto listeners, if you so happen to attend this show, I would love to get some feedback for some of our older listeners uh, up on forum.postwrestling.com. The thread is already up there. Uh, So looking forward to chatting about that one on Friday. Friday night, I'll be back with Mike Murray. We're going to do a review of the ROH Death Before Dishonor pay-per-view. Are you coming over to watch that one with us, Way? Um, I'll think about it. I'll think about it. Um, because, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, Friday, and uh, maybe I'll, I'll have to get used to watching wrestling on Friday nights. It's, it's a good primer for sure. it, yes. And then Saturday, the return of Nate Milton. It is the Rocky Maya Via Picture Show and his review this week. Get smart. The 2008 classic from, you guessed it, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Very cool. All right. So that's what's coming up now. So let us now flip over to next week. We're going ahead, and we have been talking about a lot of the changes. The The wrestling landscape is greatly changing, and you know what? We have to keep up with the times. We have to maneuver our schedule around to reflect all the new programming that is being brought out. So some changes, some additions, some subtractions. Wade, do you want to take it from here and let everybody know what post-wrestling is going to look like beginning next Monday? Yes, absolutely. Thank you, John. Well, uh, so, you know, not much changes, I would say, for the most part, but with the addition of a brand new show on Wednesdays, and I'm talking about AEW Dynamite, which we actually have, have a name for, uh, comes a, a bit of a, a shuffling, I would say, for a lot of our shows. So Monday nights slash Tuesday mornings for most of you listening uh, Rewind to Raw will continue to exist at the this point. Um, and then the changes don't really come until Tuesday, which is where we will start to move Rewind Away, Ask Away, and our MCU reviews. So basically our Patreon shows that are typically out on Friday, we will now release them on Tuesday evening slash Wednesday mornings. And you'll understand the reasons, I think, uh, as we go along with our schedule. Because Wednesday... Uh, very happy to announce that we will be debuting the brand new Review A Dynamite. Is that what we're going to go with, John? That's the tentative name unless someone gives us a better suggestion over the next uh, nine nights. Open open to suggestions. How about that? But yes, review, we're, not, we're not tied into anything. Review A Dynamite. That is our AEW Dynamite uh, review show that will come out Wednesday night. And uh, for most of you probably listening on Thursday mornings, that will be right there ready for you on our free feeds uh, for everybody. Actually, the one other option, someone did throw an option to me of uh, Way EW was another suggestion. So maybe we can throw Uh, that to the people. I don't know about that one. (laughs) All right. As you were, uh, as I interrupted you. Thursdays, uh, we continue to do our weekly live show Thursdays at 3 p.m. called The Cafe Hangout, where... Uh, Up until this point, we've welcomed any patrons from our $12 and up double-double tiers, so double-double ice cap and espresso. They've been great times. We've really been enjoying them. we built a really nice, intimate community, but I think we're at the point now where we want to truly make it a cafe hangout by expanding it to the rest of the cafe. So starting not this week, but next week, we will be opening up the cafe hangout, our live YouTube live uh, uh, video show. Uh, basically taking your calls three o'clock on Thursdays to every single patron of the post wrestling cafe from $6 and up. If you can basically listen to any of our other shows, you have access to call in to the cafe hangout. And, um, 
I, I look forward to getting a number of your calls and maybe even seeing some of your interactions with uh, our good friends such as MJ and uh, Brandon from New Jersey in the chat room every single week. Always a great deal of activity. And, you know, the Cafe Hangout is probably the show I'm actually most interested and excited for uh, upcoming, you know, starting uh, next week because this will kind of be our home base to talk about the Wednesday Night Wars. You know, we'll have watched AEW by that point, and we'll also have watched NXT by that point, John and I, and hopefully many of you guys will have as well, and we'll be talking about our reactions, comparing both shows, what you liked, what you didn't like, as well as any other big news uh, in in the wrestling world, Thursdays at 3 p.m. Yeah, and this is the show that uh, when we have guests, that's likely where they will land. It's going to be the show that we will be taking phone calls uh, for a significant portion as well, getting kind of instant reaction to NXT and AEW the following day uh, when the numbers come through. And yeah, now that it is open to all cafe members, uh, opening it up to more people. And we should mention that with the elimination of the double shot, we know it's a, a very popular show among many people. And we do plan to keep a lot of those elements. So the cafe hangout is also where if we want to talk about whether it's a 24-7 or a different episode of Impact or MLW or some special that we've watched, the Cafe Hangout is probably going to be the destination where we can um, spend more time and and discuss other things that maybe don't fit on Raw or uh, some of our other news-based shows. For sure. Double shot reviews probably to fit within the Cafe Hangout from time to time. Uh, so, uh, as usual, though, if you're not a Cafe patron, uh, worry not. We, we thank you simply for paying attention to us. So that show, The Cafe Hangout, will continue to be released for free publicly after, typically around Thursday night slash, you know, early Friday mornings for those of you who are not patrons but want to listen to and, and, and you know, hear some of this discussion anyway. Friday evening, Friday evening slash Saturday morning. So, oh boy. so we know that we are uh, doing Rewind Away uh, uh, on Tuesdays now. Review of Dynamite is a free show uh, in order for us to basically maintain two bonus shows for our patrons to make sure that they're getting enough value and that uh, everybody's supporting us and that we're rewarding them, I I feel, you know, fairly. We are moving Rewind to SmackDown into a Patreon-exclusive show. Uh, That might disappoint a great deal of you, especially, you know, if you're only a WWE fan. But to us, we had a lot of discussion about whether or not we make this one a Patreon show or we make the AEW show a Patreon show. And ultimately, I think John and I both decided we wanted equal representation for both WWE and AEW on our free feed. So that uh, basically leaves Rewind to SmackDown as the show that we are now going to put exclusively for our patrons on the Post Wrestling Cafe. So that'll be Friday evening slash Saturday mornings. Uh, and I think it'll be exactly the same. And it'll be really f- interesting to talk about Fox on Friday nights. Yeah. Way and I will be getting that show out. Um, we're, we're going to dedicate the first number of weeks for sure to doing it uh, Friday night. There may be the occasional times that we're doing it Saturday morning. So it's going to depend on our schedules. But I would say um, that is kind of the time frame we'll have that show up. And on the weekend, uh, that is typically reserved for our pay-per-view coverage. So that means, you know, at this point, seemingly several AEW pay-per-views a month, uh, monthly WWE pay-per-views, often even more. As well as specials such as the Rocky Maivia Rocky Maivia Picture Show, Post Pro Res with W H Park, uh, and really any number of other specials that might occur uh, throughout the year. Uh, so I wanted to also make mention that you know twelve dollar plus patrons, even though uh, we are letting the cafe hangout now 
to be uh, uh, live for all of our patrons. $12 plus patrons will continue to receive live pay-per-view reviews uh, on Saturdays or Sundays or anytime we do one of these shows. And we're hoping to increase the number of uh, live reviews as well this year. So not just WWE reviews, but including AEW reviews. And we're also toying with the idea of doing live New Japan pay-per-view reviews as well, though I, I, I question maybe how many people might be watching those um, live, seeing that they're, you know, on a different time zone. So if there's a demand, you let us know. Otherwise, uh, they'll, they'll continue to be specials uh, that we'll record for everybody pre-recorded. Yeah, and we're going to play around with those New Japan ones, maybe doing, like, if there's a big Sunday show, maybe going live, like, Sunday evening, once everyone's had a chance to watch it and having, like, a consistent start time. So we're going to play around with that, but we are looking to expand the amount of uh, live pay-per-view post shows that we do for the Double Double Plus patrons. And in addition to the live pay-per-view post shows, uh, we'll be sending all of our Double Double Plus patrons handwritten personalized postcards anywhere you are in the world directly from the post office here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. So uh, watch out for that. So basically, we are adding Review with Dynamite for free for everybody on a Wednesday. Our Patreon-exclusive shows will now occur Tuesday evenings and Friday evenings slash Wednesday mornings slash Saturday mornings, which will be Rewind Away, Ask Away, MCU on Tuesday, and Rewind to SmackDown on Fridays. And also, uh, Cafe Hangouts are going to be live for all patrons on Thursdays at 3 p.m. So if you like what we do, if you like all of these shows, uh, continue, consider supporting us at uh, postwrestlingcafe.com, which is our Patreon. Yep. Uh, your, your support allows us to do all of these shows and dedicate all this time to the site, so we greatly appreciate that. All of our other shows, as we mentioned, uh, the Rocky Maivia Picture Show, our UFC uh, pay-per-view reviews, all of that stuff will be remaining in its, uh, in its uh, usual spots as well. Uh, on top of uh, WH Park's next project, Thunderstruck, which we will be uh, announcing probably on the next uh, show with WH of when that will be launching. For sure. All right. So um, we will have all that information available up at postwrestling.com. And if you want to join the cafe, you can do so. Go to postwrestlingcafe.com and you can sign up today and get all of our extra shows that are coming down in the next while. So are you ready for next week? Why? I think so. I am I'm mentally getting set for next week is going to be an interesting one. It's going to be a lot of it's going to be very interesting given the fact that I was I've only been thinking about the Wednesday night head to head thing along with Smackdown on Fox, but then in the back of my head I'm also thinking the fact that there's that Wednesday night, then there's Friday night on Fox. Saturday night is a UFC pay-per-view and Sunday night is Hell in a Cell followed by 3-hour Raw on Monday night. So I feel if I get through Monday night I feel I can do anything at that point. It's um, it's a bit of a marathon. Absolutely. It is. Lots of uh, a wide variety of stuff, but a very, very interesting and fun time in the industry, I would say. Mm-hmm. So let's chat about um, some news items uh, to kick things off. Uh, first off, um, well, let's start off with this because uh, I reported this earlier tonight that uh, Impact Wrestling's VP of production, Kevin Sullivan, uh, has given his notice to Impact Wrestling and is going to be leaving the company. I don't know if it's immediate or if he's going to be finishing up over the next um, uh, period of time, but I was told that him and a select few others um, that work with him are leaving, and it's expected that they're going to be working with All Elite Wrestling. And Kevin Sullivan has been doing 
uh, freelance work with AEW. He has been doing uh, some promo spots for some of their past pay-per-views. Uh, him, uh, him and his team, they've also produced stuff for Bellator. They did the cold opens for Fighter Fest and Fight for the Fallen. Uh, I mean, he is a really top-flight producer, and that is something that, to this day, Impact, I think one of their biggest positives is their production values and some of the tremendous... Uh, vignettes and videos that Kevin Sullivan and his team have put together. And uh, this is his actual second go around with the company. He was there 2005 to 13 under the first regime and then uh, came back in early 2017 when Jeff Jarrett had kind of been installed and has been with the company since in this VP role. So I I think it's a a notable departure for the company uh, with Kevin Sullivan, who had been based out of Nashville. I think it's very notable, and I think before we proceed, uh, anytime Kevin Sullivan's name comes up, I know some people out there are thinking right. about the Taskmaster, and this is not the Taskmaster. This is somebody uh, very different, and and somebody who everyone's picking <laughs> picturing the Taskmaster on on his avid right now yeah. and uh, producing <laughs> all these videos. Yes, this is the an- another Kevin Sullivan in professional wrestling. Uh, yes, and I uh, and uh, Kevin Sullivan that I I. I personally, I highly respect because I think he he's a fantastic, um, you know, uh, producer of television. Um, I think you know, say whatever you you want about like maybe impact uh, over the past several years, but I think something that they've always maintained a great standard for is like their um, you know, video packages, um, you know, uh, 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 and uh, uh, production. I would say overall, you know, even through the several regime ch- changes, so. I think it's a huge get for AEW and um, a, real, a pretty big blow for Impact, though, you know, they have a whole, <laughs> I guess I was going to say, like, they kind of, they they would have had a whole staff of video producers. Um, well, I was just going to say, like, with all those access firings, like, you would figure that there were a lot of people in there that could have potentially assumed like these vacancies as well. I mean, they're, they do have their, their Toronto-based office, but I mean... Like there, there's only so much bandwidth that some of their their current producers can maintain. Like they're still doing all of their regular work, and then the idea of taking this over, uh, I think it's going to be a big transition, and uh, it'll be interesting to see once this uh, transition occurs um, how their production changes, yeah, if at all. We'll we'll find out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think in many ways it'll probably open the door. Um, like any any big person leaving Impact, it, it typically leads to you know somebody else stepping up and and maybe getting noticed in that way as well. Uh, but I think for AEW, you know, beyond like uh, Kevin Sullivan, they've also uh, have of course a uh, um, Keith Mitchell, who's mm-hmm. uh, who you know also worked for Impact. So I think in terms of a look, you will see a show that will probably look maybe. I don't want to say that it'll look, look a lot like Impact, but it'll have a standard of quality that, that I think we've come to expect from Impact Wrestling, uh, at least, you know, from from regimes past. Um, other news to go through. Um, man, we have to talk about the Lacey Evans story. Uh, what? Uh, so what are, yeah, like it, it really is like bizarre what this grew into over the weekend. So if you have been in a bubble and missed all of this, uh, so Lacey Evans, Macy Estrella is pulled over, uh, allegedly, and is presented with a citation from an RCMP officer in Edmonton where the the 
Raw Crew had their house show over the weekend on Saturday. And we see this video of the citation being presented and Evans pretty much cutting a promo on this guy in character. And this thing just went all over the place of people thinking that Evans was um, being rude to this officer. And it just it just became a big thing. And then uh, Lacey put out a statement on Monday morning stating as prior as a as prior law or law enforcement myself and a United States Marine. I do not condone, agree with, or promote disrespecting or making LEO's jobs harder than they already are. The video was created by both parties to promote the local live event taking place in the Edmonton area. And she goes on again to defend police. And then in a separate statement to CTV News in Edmonton, she's explaining what her character is and says the general public now believe this interaction was real when the officer and I plan to start recording and have him walk up again with the citation in hand. And this, I, I guess we forgot, is uh, is this making sense? Way I hope sense. I am recapping this because it makes then sense. We, it just like it's just disappointing. That's all. Well, it's this is warning that we have to get to the point where we have to explain in minute detail exactly how a wrestling angle might have taken place. Yes, and then I guess all of this was thrown for a whack because CTV in Edmonton also spoke with someone by the name of Corporal Chris Warren who said in regards to Evan's statement about it being uh, planned was, that's news to me. I know the original traffic stop was legitimate and I don't have any further information at this time, which to me, as I read these two statements, I think I have a pretty clear picture of what happened here, mm-hmm. that she was legitimately pulled ac- pulled over for speeding and she asked the officer to do something here. And I think that that's kind of what they did here. Seems pretty obvious to me. Sure. Like I don't. And the amount of time that has been spent on this. Now, you can have a separate discussion about whether uh, police officers on duty should be doing pro wrestling angles. I mean, that's that's fine for you to complain about. I don't. Uh, anyway, I, this, I don't th- this thing know. was I don't even know if the, the police officer would like nobody would have predicted that this would end up being a, as as viral or as talked about as I think it ended up being. <laughs> there was one uh, news news piece i watch i think it was city tv and they located a social media expert to explain oh god what to explain the science behind this and how it goes viral <laughs> and why some videos are not real because you don't know what happens before and after they hit record it's so stupid uh, i'm just i, I I'll, I'll i'll tell you the truth i didn't even watch that whole video because I just, I didn't need to. Like, I knew exactly what was going on. And, and just the fact that, like, <laughs> adults have wasted this much mental energy trying to break this thing down is is sad to me. You know, I heard, one of the best things I've heard in a long time was on Blog TO today, they posted a 911 call. And this gentleman calls in, and the operator is taking his call, asking... Uh, 911, uh, what is your emergency? Do you require an ambulance or a policeman? And he said, yeah, can you please send somebody over, a police? And they're like, yes, sir. Uh, what is the what is the emergency? And he goes on to explain that at the, the restaurant he is at way, you see, he is allergic to tomatoes. And last week, when he ordered his chicken sandwich, they mistakenly put tomatoes into his sandwich. This week, he returns... They put tomatoes in his chicken sandwich again, 
and you're listening to this and the officer or the operator interrupts him to say, oh, 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 so you're saying there is no emergency at all. Please do not call with such frivolous complaints to 911. And she hung up on him. It's good. Great. Awesome. I think some I was, people some people should have their 911 privileges revoked. Maybe I, that guy. I think that, you know, maybe in your lifetime, it's like you get you, you get X amount of 911 calls in your life. So use them use them wisely <laughs> i don't know if you can no police that it used to it used to be when it when i when i used to have to drive a lot downtown and people are just constantly honking i thought like you know what let every car they get a hundred honks in its life in its lifetime like think about how many times i can tell you in my life okay i've been driving since i was 17 years old the amount of times i have honked somebody there is no way i've hit 30 times in my life wow I would be maybe hovering around 30 tops. Like I'm not a honker. So what do you do? What do you do? So you, you, I guess. I'm not saying you never honk, but there is no reason you need more than a hundred honks in the lifespan of a car. I think it depends where you live. Depends where you're driving and how often you're driving. And maybe your own particular driving style as well. But uh, I, I'm not so much for that idea. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for all the, uh, the <laughs> feedback to my suggestion right now. This is one of those where I think no matter what I say for the next hour, th- this will be the three minutes that I'm going to regret even watching Raw so, and doing a detailed review of it because it's going to come down to two minutes. So what what happens to the car once you're past 100 honks? It just get a new car work. if you need it. it to, may, maybe you, you can pay a certain amount and then you can get your, your honks restored. But you're going to think twice about it before you just frivolously honk at people like a maniac. Well, at least I speak for myself. I don't frivolously honk, like, but I will. So honk. you'll be fine. Well, I, but I feel like I probably hit a hundred already in my lifetime. I I just don't think a hundred. How many different cars have you driven? I'm saying a hundred per car. <laughs> what if you drive with with a bunch of people? What if you share a car amongst the family? Well, they should be on their best behavior. If it's your car, oh, they better not waste your honks. <laughs> Often. What I'm saying, All I'm John, saying is that it's not it's not up to you whether or not you need to use the honk. If somebody is about to hit you, you're probably going to use it. Honk. I'm not saying you you if if you're in a serious situation, it's time to use a honk. I know, and I'm saying a lot of people run into very serious situations more There's than There's no way times most in, in people have had a hundred a hundred serious situations in a car. In one car. You you That's going to last you, you probably know. what? 6 years. You're either a really safe driver or maybe you, you probably don't drive as much in, in downtown Toronto as, as some people. I drive plenty downtown. Well, you must be a great driver. All- maybe I'd negotiate 150, but I, I think at that point, you're, you're, that's tops. Absolute tops. All right. John Pollock for mayor. Um, any, any final thoughts, Way, on the Lacey Evans story? It was kind of brought up on Raw, but they did not want to make a big deal out of this. And I wonder if this was uh, the company saying, uh, number one, if this was a just off-the-cuff idea by Lacey Evans to do that I don't blame her at all for trying to get, you know, uh, so, something I fun going. I wouldn't think this was planned. Like, I'm going to get a ticket today and also try to get a cop to do a sketch with me well the way she worded it that it was uh created by both parties to promote the local event i mean that makes it sound more coordinated than i imagine it really was it was probably hey i'm a wwe wrestler do you mind if you if you just like issue me the ticket and i can i can send this on my twitter sure 
And we see like Lacey Evans is, is I think the type to, you know, be pretty present on social media, doing her character. She does a great job of it. And I'm sure she was just like r- driving around town and thinking that this was a great opportunity to try to like turn a negative into a positive. I, I, I don't fault the, her instincts at all. It's like Okada doing the dropkick spot after the match. <laughs> exactly the same. Exactly the same thing. Yeah. All right. Let, let us move on to, to our next uh, outrage story of the day. And this was Being the Elite. Did you get to watch Being the Elite today? Yes, I did. Okay. So most people are going to focus on the final five minutes. So it's worth noting for context that if you have not been watching Being the Elite, Kenny Omega is playing a character now that has completely lost touch with reality. He has spiraled into this depression and he is this, I don't know how best to describe the character. I'm not a big fan of it. I don't think this is the Kenny Omega that people are willing to spend uh, high ticket prices to go watch and travel to see as the best wrestler in the world. I don't think that this is an effective way to be portraying Kenny Omega, but this is the story they are telling that this guy is, uh, He's down on. He's lost uh, the the match to Jericho. He's lost the match to Moxley. Yes, he's in a slump. He's in a career slump right now, and it's it's permeating into his regular life. So last week, of course, he did the article uh, or the interview uh, with with Sportskeeda and ran down the NXT roster. Which, if you listened, like it felt like a little bit tongue in cheek. I think people really ran with it as more serious than maybe it was intended, but nonetheless, in print, it, it's hard to tell sarcasm, but the video came out too. And you could hear him. Uh, if you want to listen to him in his own words, like there was video accompanying it, but nonetheless, the, the shots did land and you got a response from certain people on the NXT roster, primarily uh, Donovan Dijakovic, who responded about, you know, having a better match with Keith Lee than Omega did at the 2017 Bola final night. So today, they address it on being the elite where Omega gives this sincere, insincere apology. And then we're to believe that the camera has stopped rolling, or at least Kenny thinks it stopped rolling. And he just goes back to burying everybody, calls him Donovan dickhead. Who's trying to get, get score points with triple H and just like doubles down on everything. And there's people that are upset about this. There's people that just hate this Kenny Omega character. It's like all the, all the bullet points you need to just really form a negative opinion. And I, I'm of two thoughts here. Again, I'm not a big fan of this character. I don't think this is really, it's obviously not building anything. The silver, the, the counter to that is that I think there's a large amount of the fan base that they love this stuff. This is what they want from this NXT AEW war. They don't want, uh, high tide raises all boats. They don't want, you can watch both. They want a war. That is literally what it was called, a war between these two. And I think that there's a big crowd that they just want to hear these shots back and forth because it makes it fun for them. So I don't think this is all bad either. Yeah. Um, I mean, my my thinking is just like, this is just promotion, right? Um, I think Dijakovic whether or not he was actually pissed off at the comments. I'm sure his response really was uh, some form of, I think, self-preservation too, you know, to 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 make a name for himself. Now people are, are talking about him in the same sentence as Kenny Omega. And I I would say I think it came out pretty well for him, you know, now. For, that- for Dijakovic, I mean, he inserted himself. It's great. I would argue from, from the being the elite side, the Kenny Omega side, you're a week and a half from debuting on TNT and they spent five minutes on their show 
doing this. Like, I don't know how much this really helps them. But for sure. Dijakovic, I think, yeah, he, like, caught in the midst of this. And, um, you know, people are talking about this, but I don't think there's really a tangible uh, benefit beyond this being a news story for 12 to 24 hours. Sure, sure. I, I definitely don't disagree with you about, you know, whether or not this is a step down for Kenny. You know, we're like Kenny Omega, who I think a year ago... Or, or at least a couple of years ago at this point, you know, we were touting as the greatest wrestler on the planet. Is this something that is becoming of the greatest wrestler on the planet? I mean, that's that's debatable. I also think this is like being the elite is also like a playground where I think you get to see the cast really do whatever they want and kind of dive into like, you know, the, the, the weirder parts of their personality. And I don't know if there's a weirder person on that cast than Kenny Omega. So I think this character is something he's probably having a lot of fun playing. A uh, video like that is probably something that he just, you know, he wanted to have fun with. Um, in the end, I don't think his stock will decrease or anything like that as long as he has the same types of Kenny Omega matches that he has. Uh, that's all that matters in the end. And and this, like, back and forth, listen, it's, it's what we all, I think, ultimately kind of want. Maybe not, like, you know, on such a bickering level. But the, the conversation between, oh, AEW versus WWE, uh, NXT versus AEW, I think everybody on some level finds some enjoyment out of that. So to me, it's just like all entertainment, and I think everybody rises. And, and I think deep down, both sides know that. I mean, I think they know that there is value in a perceived conflict, even though it's, uh, you know, probably... I think, I think Triple H knows that, and I think that's why we're seeing, you know, uh, everything that's happening right now. Um. Do you feel, getting back to being the elite, has there been a decline in the quality of that show, or is it more pronounced because we do have an alternative now with the Road 2 series that you you would never see something like we saw today with Kenny Omega on that series? Um, I think you would have... I think there's definitely been a decrease in quality since I think the, the, the guys have stopped being on the road, Um, and, you know, it's... It, it, they've kind of spread the the creative uh, out amongst the cast, and it doesn't feel like really it's the intimate series that used used to take place between the elite like it used to. Um, but I I feel like you would have seen this for sure, even like in the prior incarnations, like some of the earlier being the elites were even more direct jabs at the like I mean FTR, you know, like um, it was funny because like one of the earlier BTEs was like Kenny and the Bucks just like goofing around in Japan. And they're doing, like, the DX theme, but with, like, JR's voice singing the DX theme. And it's just, like, one of those really stupid random things that I don't think they were intending on a mass audience to watch. But, like, that's also part of the, 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 the I think, appeal of being the elite was that it felt like it was just a short little video blog made by three guys in Japan who didn't care, really, about the world watching. And I, I think you'll continue to see elements of that with you know, certain guys like Kenny Omega when they do be in the elite. Um, I, I feel like what you're seeing is something that ultimately is not really that much produced and, and really, for better or worse, directly from the source. All right. Well, um, they also mentioned on the, the episode, they implied it's going to be a six-man tag on the first show as well with SCU against Jungle Boy, Luchasaurus, and Marco Stunt. So we have another match. They've also promoted Hangman Page will be on the first show. So they have quite a lot announced for October 2nd. And this Wednesday, I figure NXT has to put together their whole card for the following week. Yeah, yeah. And I think, I mean, that show's going to... I feel like if the card is going to be what 
you know, we can predict it might be, judging from the first episode, it might be, it will probably be a really good show. I was surprised tonight that we got minimal promotion for NXT. And also, I mean, we, we got to find out WWE's social media muscle and how they just murder everybody. I'm surprised they didn't make a bigger deal out of the number NXT did last week. Right. Like, you know, like, and then maybe tell that it beat other pe- other competitors at the time slot. Are they in fear that like one point, you know, one seven million, even though it we know it's it's really impressive, uh, considering, you know, the the fact that it's the first show, do you think that there's a worry that number one, the audience might not know what that means, and number two, um, does it sound They're, big enough? Trust me, WWE are the masters of ways that they can present numbers. I mean, they don't even have to say the number one point one million. All they have to say is it was up X percent in its time slot. It, it hit it topped suits, which it legitimately did. I mean, there's plenty of ways that they could uh, have trumpeted that number. But I would say coming off that first week and going into this one, um, I mean, there was one mention of it. That was it. it. It's to me been really interesting, like how I think separate the two shows have been uh, in that, like, really even like that's why I think the one point one seven is really that impressive uh, beyond like it's the fact that I don't I we never really saw that much promotion for it on No on and Raw's and maybe right it's now. maybe it's overstated about what that big push on Raw means for that audience but next week will be the curious one because they've got a lot to promote next week how how much does NXT with the AEW launch uh figure into next week's Raw The problem is though you're talking about a week where WWE has to promote like Fox, Fo- yeah. Well, also this season premiere, which is what this Raw uh, kind of spent the bulk of its muscle promoting, Hell in a Cell as well. So, uh, you know, how much promotion are you getting, are you going to get for everything when you have like so many different things? All right, uh, all your news you can go check out at uh, postwrestling.com. Oh, there was one more item I wanted to sneak in here because we didn't talk about it on Sunday, and I wanted your reaction way. Glow renewed for a fourth and final season by Netflix. Really happy to hear it, You know, as I'm sure anybody who, who's been watching Glow is. Um, I think I'm happy for, for the fact that they even get a final season because a lot of shows don't. They just abruptly end. And the fact that it's ending, you know, I've been a fan of it, but... It, Four is I think good. it's time. Four I think it's good. time. Like we're talking yes. like what, like forty episodes or something like that. That's a good length. To, I think you know, say goodbye to these characters, complete these story arcs. Uh, not everything should last forever and and overstay its welcome. I agree with you. I thought when I heard that, I was like, "That's a uh, you get one more season." This would be a very abrupt end after they had set up so much stuff, but now you can go into this season where you can wrap up everything. And I think four seasons is a very good run for what they got out of this. I was not. Um, I, I like many people, really enjoyed season one. I didn't think it was going to end up getting this many seasons out of Netflix. And it's been uh, – it's received critical acclaim. It's um, – I'm glad they'll get that, that one more season. And, yeah, I presume it'll be around the same time it came out this year, around – I guess it's kind of fluctuated between June and August. But somewhere next summer is probably when you'd expect this to come out. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's get into Raw from the Chase Center. Show started off with Seth Rollins coming out, and he went over last week's attack by The Fiend, but was quick to bring up that he had been mugged by five dudes last week beforehand. And then, all of a sudden, he has the living embodiment of a nightmare this close to my face. And I had no fight left in me, and I just had to close my eyes and hope it was a bad dream, 
and I could wake up, but I realized it's not. When he describes that the imagery that way, like I could see exactly what they're going for at the end of the of these shows because it does kind of look like it's Seth Rollins like tucked in bed, you know, trying to like <laughs> um he's like a little child basically tucked oh. in bed and like, you know, sweating because he just had a big nightmare. And that's Except what, he's a grown individual. Well, yeah, that's really how it comes across. What, what, if, what if he had had to like lay in the corner and scream? What if he had to do that? That would have been ridiculous, right? I, I wonder if that was. I mean, I was very, not I was that not far expect- off, I think, from what we even got here, though. You know. Oh, I was. This almost felt like they had to. That like they felt last week. Seth did too much selling and looked too weak that they had to. Give him an out. Do you think here. so? Because he did the exact same thing on this. Well, show. that's why the the end of this show was so perplexing to me because it felt like they spent the first five minutes of this promo explaining Seth out of that scene last week well, because he looked very weak for your your top babyface that looked like he was cowering in fear to a man with a Halloween costume. Right. I, I I think the idea of having your champion, you know, be afraid of this thing called the fiend. I don't think that's a bad idea. Um, maybe just in execution, there's something. There's characters that, that can display fear. I don't know if Seth is that guy that uh, you would want to put in that spot. It, it, it's very tough to you mean present like, that as you are scared of the person opposite you. Now, do you say that due to like Seth Rollins' acting ability, or just the fact that he's the champion? A, a bit of both. He's not a good actor, and he is your – like, this would be Bret Hart, like, trembling at Papa Shango trying to perform voodoo on him. Right. <laughs> um, would that have would that have gone well? Like, the thing well. is <laughs> – The thing is, The Fiend is, you know, like – I don't want to say The Boogeyman, okay? But, like – or I don't want to say The Sandman either, but um, you know what I mean. He's like a he's like a creature from your nightmares, and it requires almost your hero to kind of like show sell sell as if that was the case. Like, what is I think a good good way to do that though in the context of a professional wrestling event? I think that there's there's a perfectly fine way of the fiend constantly getting to this guy with the mandible claw, with Sister Abigail, and just constantly one upping this guy. But without him having to sell the fear, but just he cannot uh, figure this guy out, and this guy has Seth's number. Right. It's you know I'm, I guess maybe part of it also has to do with the fact that he's a babyface, and typically like somebody cowering in fear like this, we we usually usually see reserved for heels. Like even with like all the Undertaker's opponents, you know, typically if he's kind of playing the the demon nightmare type of guy, it's it's the villain that is you know scared and running away. Uh, to see a baby face do it and, you know, especially your champion, maybe a little bit unusual and, and maybe tougher to get used to. And where and and where do things go if like the Undertaker seems to me like we, we were talking about that idea recently. And one point um, I thought about after we did our review last week um, that seemed fairly obvious after the fact is you have now given the storyline in for the Undertaker to go after this guy because he's now taken out Kane. Yeah, sure. That's probably like, you know, pretty That could be your that could be your end to hell in a cell because they do have to get out of that match somehow if it's And you think Crown Jewel? I mean I I keep I, I expect Brock and The Undertaker and all the major guys See? to be on that show that 
I mean, when you're looking at opponents, I'm again, it's a tough match to book because what what do you do unless you're going to go all the way with the fiend and he gets a win over the undertaker? I could also see them holding back like the fiend and the undertaker is sort of like, you know, like, like a final destination or like more so a WrestleMania level event, because that's, you know, I think something that everybody expects, but also, yeah, where do you go after that? Like that to me almost screams actual retirement match for taker, but, um, I don't know. I feel like we're a little early, but then I think we're a little early even for this Rollins match. Do you have a strong sense if they they actually go through and put the title on this character that is incredibly over right now? I think they should. I think, you know, I think Rollins, uh, he's been a good champion, a decent champion, but I, I think this makes it a lot more interesting. Is there like- anything that d- that separates Raw and SmackDown more than the possibility of Brock Lesnar and The Fiend as your champions? Very different, yeah. I mean, <laughs> compl- very different tonally, sure. But I would say that also is interesting because you're talking about two two champions that might make infrequent appearances. That that's true. I wouldn't want The Fiend showing up all the time. But or, or do I- you have Bray Wyatt, like Mister Rogers, Bray Wyatt, carry the title and appear and cut promos? Um. Yeah, it's it, it's a really weird mix. I don't even think the fiend needs the title, but you put him so in this either. position now where you also don't want to see him uh, lose. So you either do kind of a backwards finish to get out of it, or you go all the way with this guy. Which I mean, as a character, I give this guy an A plus for how they've they've rolled this out. Like it's just been a stellar introduction and usage of this character so far. They can really they can get out of it. I think as long as they deliver like some level of spectacle in that Hell in a Cell. Um, like, you know, even if it ends in some type of weird finish, if they do something mind blowing, spectacular visually, I think people will forgive it. So maybe he doesn't have to win. This is the most analysis we have ever got out of the first two lines of my notes. Oh, also, uh, the signature opening signature had some of the fiends, uh, uh, special filters. Oh, I didn't even catch that. It looks, um, they also had a new logo for raw and I think they had different music. Did they not? That I didn't really notice, but no. The sure. the logo they've just kind of altered it. It's kind of like this uh uh kind of arrow pointing down at the bottom of it. Oh. Rollins goes on and this was said like five thousand times on the show, so get ready, t shirt department. Seth Rollins survives and prevails. Oh. Like they they drive it so hard that like I get it. You want to sell t-shirts, but man, it just makes it so sound so uncool. And then like, of course, at the end here, he, he like added burn it down too. So yeah. I'm going to survive. I'm going to prevail and I'm going to burn it down. He said, just no one gets Well, I mean, you, you know, you're not only surviving, but then your goal is to make sure someone else doesn't survive. It's like very vengeful. He said, no one gave him a chance against Brock at SummerSlam. Or against Braun Strowman at Clash of Champions. He had the fight of his life. He's going to do the same at Hell in a Cell. Braun interrupts, and he said, if you have something to say to me, say it to my face. And he said, I don't run around like Mr. Rogers playing psychotic games with puppets. And he blamed Seth for losing the tag titles and said, you hoped that I wouldn't get a rematch. Rollins denies saying this and said... I have a lot on my plate, and what I said was, I'm glad I didn't have to fight you anytime soon after Clash of Champions, but now I want to fight you, and they set up a match for later tonight. Yeah. 
Was yeah, all nothing, about... not, nothing like a good, you know, game of broken telephone to set up a main event. On it would have been hilarious if Braun just said, "Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry," <laughs> and just walked to the back. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, I I do have to say I I really have to credit Seth for like in this segment cramming remembering a lot all of stuff. This shit. He had a small flub here when he mixed up like Clash of Champions with Hell in a Cell, but I give him a hard pass because like. Imagine having to like fit in, survive, and prevail, and like all the shit with the nightmares, and then having to make sure that you mention specifically where you face Braun and where you face Brock Lesnar, where you f- and where you're about to face Bray Wyatt. I mean, Jesus! Like this, this script must must have looked really, really dense. First match was the Viking Raiders against Gallows and Anderson with AJ Styles in their corner, and thankfully Domino's Pizza brought you this match. So. There's a power slam by Ivar onto Anderson, and then Eric slams Ivar on top of him. And Ivar does the flare flip into the corner like he was Adrian Adonis at uh, (laughs) CNE. He gets distracted by AJ, and then Gallows kicks him from the apron. Uh, Referee Derek Moore then ejects Styles, and as he's going up the ramp, Cedric Alexander attacks AJ, and they fight to the back, and that sets up the commercial, and clearly the continuation of the Cedric Alexander program. So it looks like they are continuing this, um, and potentially Cedric finally getting something over on AJ. He wasn't uh, beaten to a pulp here by AJ. No, not this time, but I mean... You know, we shall see at the pay-per-view. I, I'm honestly surprised that the feud is continuing, not because I, 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 you know, I don't think Cedric is worth it, but because they booked Cedric so weak uh, in in the past week, uh, week and a day. So I'm surprised that they, like, felt like that was good booking in order to build to another match at this point. They come back, so AJ's gone. They're stomping Ivar in the corner. He gets out of the corner with a seated senton, tags Eric. He hits a knee strike to Anderson, and then the running double knees in the corner. Ivar gets pulled down by Gallows, and Eric then kicks out of a spine buster. There's a boot of doom. Magic Killer gets stopped, and then they hit the Viking experience onto Anderson. Eric takes out Gallows with a suicide dive, and Ivar pins Carl Anderson. I thought this was a pretty entertaining match between these two, and we finally got the Viking Raiders. Uh, they got a two-segment match. I thought this was a good TV tag team match, for sure. Yeah, I you know we've seen the Viking Raiders have a lot of squash matches, but this was probably, to me, like their first substantial tag team win. And I thought they looked excellent here. You know, a match like this, I think, does a lot to establish themselves to an audience. A great looking, unique offense for two big men. Uh, Ivar, you know, looked great. But so did Eric here, too, with, I think, a lot more of the high flying. Um, I think they work so much better as baby faces. And it's so obvious watching this style that they should be baby faces. So, you know, how can like how can you boo a man who's like 300 pounds and does cartwheels? So I don't know what they're thinking if they were, you know, leaning towards the heel direction when they first began. Um, I thought the right team won, but it's kind of unfortunate because I think the OC2 are, are are still in a position of needing to be established. They just got new theme music. Did you notice that? They did. They came out to a brand new theme. Uh, brand new theme. It's, it sounded all right. It was good. Yeah. I'm, I, you know, whatever. It's whatever. But it's it's just kind of too bad, you know, because they, they're hardly, I think, an established like threat in the tag team division, I would say, despite like having just won the titles that easily. But... I think the the Raiders are are it's time for them to like get that big push. Yeah, so uh, especially the ending sequence here it was uh, very entertaining. 
Charlie interviewed Robert Roode. He said he pinned Seth Rollins at Clash of Champions. And when the title is on the line, the results will be absolutely glorious. And we should mention off the top that they're promoting the Fatal Five Way for later tonight with uh, all the different participants being interviewed throughout the show. Like on paper, seeing Robert Roode like amongst this crop really kind of makes you question, like, why Robert Roode? And why not Dolph Ziggler if your excuse is that he's a tag team champion? But they brought up that he, he pinned Rollins in that tag team match. So I thought it was like good follow-up and good justification. Michael Cole did a sit-down interview with Becky Lynch, and she said she wants Sasha Banks to be on a hot streak. After WrestleMania, she left the SmackDown women's division the best it's ever been, and then came to Raw, where it was in ruins after Ronda Rousey had gone through everyone. And... It's brought up by Michael Cole that Sasha Banks has been in a Hell in a Cell match, and Becky just throws that point in his face and says, yeah, and she didn't win, did she? Cole then asks, what, what a question this was. Are you worried about Bailey being around ringside at Hell in a Cell? Think about that line. Yep. Thought about it, yeah. Becky says the Cell will keep Sasha inside, Uh and so- she, she she said the the goal the idea of the hell in a cell is not to keep Bailey out but to keep Sasha in is what she said. So is she implying that she's going to let Bailey inside the cell for the whole match? No, no, no. She's saying so what's there to worry about? She's saying Bailey's going to. It's not about. She's not worried about Bailey getting in. She just yeah. doesn't want Sasha to get out. Yes, yes. Um, and then she said how Sasha. Her vicious chair shots last month were designed to take her out of the game. And now Sasha's going to get her chance at Hell in a Cell. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, not much new was really said. I thought, you know, this just kind of adds a l- little bit of anticipation. I imagine next week is when they'll really drive this one home. Rusev, week two. Okay, explain to me. Did they ex- did they say like whether or not he was the dad or that he wasn't the Renee dad? Renee said there's no chance he is Maria's baby daddy, and they pretty much just dismissed it as a storyline point. That's what I took from this. <laughs> and no follow-up on that whole Nothing. thing, by the way. Nothing. Okay. They weren't even on the show tonight. You know, how, how confusing was that last week? Because, like, what a shitty way to introduce Rusev, first of all. But, like, the way that they did it was, like, made it seem like Maria intended on... You know, saying that Rusev was the father, and, and in fact, in the match itself, it was like Mike, Mike Bennett saying, "Oh, if you're, I'm okay with you being the dad." So, wouldn't they at least follow up with a with a proper explanation? I thought, given this is the season premiere next week, I thought they were going to set up a segment for next week where there would be where t- on tonight's show we get a bunch of potential fathers, and the paternity test announcement would be made next week. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you. Like got that's hope. clearly where I think this is going. You got Ric Flair there. Oh, sure. of course. Yeah, that would work. So there's a chance if we want Lana that quickly dissipates. Rusev catches him, spinning side slam, suplexes, machka kick, and accolade over. Did you catch the opponent's name? Something like uh, I don't know, P P C five. <laughs> PCP uh, 141 Rusev wins do you know uh, he actually won and lost the 24-7 title three times this past week in Asia and Hawaii they didn't bring up any of these title changes good no. for PCP yeah yeah huge 
Yeah, but just in hindsight, what a terrible and confusing way to bring bring back Rusev. And I don't know why they didn't bring back Lana either, because this crowd clearly wants it. So, oh, they just Rusev just feels so generic. It's like the, he's he's lost all the personality that he had when he left. Well, like especially when you compare with Rusev Day, like the peak he was at there. Yeah, he just feels like he's so um, robotic. He, right. Well, he looks he looks great. Like like his body looks looks excellent. He looks in great shape. It's just I, I I've been really unimpressed with this reintroduction. No, he's just he's just a guy on the show. Rey Mysterio interview. He said he almost retired and was experiencing serious doubt, but credits his son for changing his mind, and he's going to dedicate tonight's match to Dominic. All right. Sasha Banks versus Nikki Cross. Uh, this match went long. Cross is attacking her with strikes. She hits a mid-ring cross body, sends her to the floor. Then Nikki is jam- is on her back, and Sasha just slams her onto the floor from her back to break out of it. And we go through the commercial. Banks then uh, snaps her knee in the ropes, and Cross is working on the knee. She's twisting it. Banks then gets sent into the post by the shoulder, and Cross comes off the apron, nails Banks, who is comes up bleeding from the mouth. Then Banks does a spot where she's caught in the ring skirt, gets hit with forearms. The crowd got into. For a lot of this, they just seem kind of just quiet. Mm. Cross hit the swinging neck breaker. Bailey distracted on the apron. Alexa got involved, knocking down Bailey. That got a pop, and she threw her into the timekeeper's area. Cross body by Cross got reversed into the bank statement. Nikki taps out, and the crowd got into the end. But this was uh, – 15 and a half minutes. It was just a long match, and I didn't think it really clicked. Yeah, they were given a lot of time. I thought it was actually a good match, but I think the pace was too slow for the level of interest this crowd had for it. I just don't sense much of the crowd feeling that sympathetic for Nikki Cross. I think her and Alexa really never had a proper babyface turn, and I think their actions thus far suggest that they could turn back heel any second. So there's just not that attachment to them. I think the audience likes Sasha, but it's just not, I think, a hot enough match for people to really care about the result either way. But I thought technically it was good. Like I liked a lot of the 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 things that the these two did, but just not enough work put into the anticipation. It's also the second week in a row that they've beaten uh, one of the tag team champions. Well, you can really sacrifice them, I guess. <laughs> It's I'm like saying, it's like they want to put them on TV. They want to give them airtime, but at the same time, they need people to lose. So that's who they choose. Yeah, it's like they're not going after these titles. They just see they're, they're just they just beat Nikki. Uh, they do save Alexa. So uh, well, we'll find out. That'll they're going to do them. That'll be next week. We'll we'll find out for sure. It'll be next week because Sasha's going on to baseball. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they don't have anything set up for Alexa. So it, it, unless they do some some running deal. Yossi's in the back. They're going over how Cedric isn't on AJ's level. And they call AJ a mother lover. And then they do the too sweet, which AJ is like, I don't know, like orgasmic now after he does the too sweet with these guys. <laughs> like he's just like taking it all in like and he's like. It's like Tantra. It is. It's like he gets his like, I don't know. <laughs> he, I don't know. Uh, this is when we got, I don't know. I don't know. It's their version of fisting. Uh, I guess so. Yes. The WWE, um, every person on the planet follows them on social media was what I took from this. 
and more than your company. That was the, the underlying theme. They announced Brock Lesnar for Phoenix next week on the season premiere. Don't know what he's doing. Probably promoting the Kofi match. I guess. Yeah, I guess they can do that. So he's not going to be on SmackDown this week, right? No, he's not announced for SmackDown this week. Yeah. The Street Profits reacted to Lesnar appearing next week. They've got new shirts. They talk about Rollins and Braun. I love and- their new shirts. They're they're inspired by Pet and Pixel, which is you know which are the people that did like the No Limit Soldiers and also the Cash Money records from like the nineties and two thousands. It's it's a it's a really great ugly shirt. The Miz walks in, announces the birth of his second child last Friday with Maurice, and said, "Unlike Mike Canellis, we know the father." And that was the reference to last week's. Uh, Angle. And next week on Miz TV, his guests will be Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair. I noticed a little bit of booze for Hogan. Did you? Oh, I didn't notice that, but that's totally plausible. Where are they next week? Phoenix. Phoenix, okay. And Flair's going to be on TV. Yeah, it remains to be seen how, how much he'll actually say. But, um, yeah, interesting. I think they should have Flair with the Maria Canellis angle, for sure. Come on. <laughs> it, it, it would be hard for them to resist some kind of interaction between those two. Lacey Evans comes out. They joke about the crooked law enforcement in Canada. And Renee disowns Edmonton and says Edmonton is not her people. Damn. Wow. That was very harsh. Lacey Evans versus Ember Moon. Moon hit this lateral press off the middle rope. Moon got sent to the floor. Natalia's watching backstage. Uh, Moon ducked the woman's right and then fights back with these kicks. Evans then sweeps her off the apron and Ember hangs off the bottom rope using her feet into this version of the eclipse onto the floor, which was way too spectacular a maneuver for this throwaway match. They were doing a lot of really cool stuff using the ropes and I'm including Lacey there too. She did like a really nice swing drop kick. Uh, we, we saw like this match. Like, they were really kind of being really creative. Well, we got a very creative finish here because the woman's right sent Moon off the top turnbuckle and then Lacey went to apply the sharpshooter and um, it seemed like she needed to be charged for speeding here because I think she went too fast with her setup because she like fell over and onto her knee here and got the tap five and a half minutes as Cole uh, gave a a legendary call. (laughs) It wasn't pretty, but it was effective. And Renee... Renee said that using the sharpshooter was, quote, despicable. It's definitely like a, it's a bit of a JRism for sure. Uh, sharpshooter aside, I, I felt like these two were, you know, employing some pretty cool offense I hadn't really seen before using the ropes in the apron. But I think this match largely suffered from the same issue as the last one. They're just characters that the audience doesn't really care that much about. Um, even Lacey, for all of the viral, I think, uh, attention she's had, doesn't necessarily translate to a wrestling audience. And with Ember, I think a reaction like this really shows you how little they've, they've done with her lately. Yeah, it's like, for, for, I mean, maybe it was just because, like, looking at, the, like, all this news today, like, it just, it was just so weird. Like, she's all over all this stuff today. And then on this, it's like, it's a, it's a one-liner from Renee, and that was it. May, might be a case where they didn't, you know, they didn't create the the kind of attention. So maybe. And cl- clearly uh, like, I think they felt we have to acknowledge it, but we are not jumping on this. Right. Yeah. Cause I think they wanted to push back off that. 
Sarah Schreiber interviewed Natalia, asked her the reaction to using the move. She says, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery, but Lacey has not mastered the sharpshooter. Yeah. No kidding. Well, listen, I don't know if, if that line itself was ad-libbed or not. I'm going to... I don't know. It's hard for me. But if it was, I thought it was good that she messed up, wasn't it? Because you want to show that Lacey hasn't done it perfectly yet if you're going to have this line. They should have interviewed Brett. What did you think about the the sharpshooter application? Well, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe I think I think my dog just let him know what he thought about it. <laughs> it's exactly something that he would say. <laughs> <laughs> we got the Firefly Funhouse. Kane's picture has been added to the wall. Uh. He's got a Seth Rollins action figure that the the rabbit and uh, what's the other thing called? Um, Huskus. Huskus are fighting over. And he says that if you love something too much, it makes you weak and makes you vulnerable to negative feelings like disappointment, neglect, and loneliness. And given the fact that this was about Seth Rollins, I thought this was like a, a reference to Becky. Hmm. Okay. For what point? But I, I don't I don't know if that's uh, just the fact that he said if you love something too much, it makes you weak. So I don't what, know. Is he going to attack Becky Lynch next? Well, I don't know. That's I thought there was a hint of that here. But then he says he knows what it's like to be abandoned by those you care about. And the rabbit says that he doesn't want the fiend to hurt Rollins. Braun, or Bray says maybe he wants to protect Rollins and snaps the action figure in half and says sharing is caring. And he gets a demonic look on his face before laughing and saying, see you in hell. So we know that this is not voodoo because Seth did not come out with like his ribs all taped up, keeping them together. Uh, no. Yeah. And he didn't. Yeah. So what meaning did you gather from this beyond like, what, you know, what, what you I, I think about being abandoned by those you care about. I think that was the direct setup for our angle with Braun at the end of the ah, night. Right. That's right. Um, and what does he mean by like the fiend wants to protect Seth Rollins? Um, he, maybe he wants, well, I, I can't give a solid answer because all the, these angles are forcing Seth to act in a certain way that is not protecting him. So it's been the opposite effect, but he hasn't really laid his hands on, well, he laid his hands on him at the paper. Yeah. Yeah. He took him out at the end of that. Okay. Well, I'm sure it all makes sense to him. Um, remember, like, 11 maybe years? Maybe he's just a really protective worker. Oh, okay, of course. Yeah, in wrestling, yeah. you're supposed to protect your opponent. That makes sense. Yeah. You remember 11-15? Yeah, that w- 11-19. Was it 11-19? Yeah. Which, again, like, if... Uh, again, that was a fan theory about The Undertaker. But with the Kane attack, like, there is... There are these breadcrumbs that give you a logical explanation for the undertaker to uh, pop up out of nowhere and it be it makes sense yeah at this point i mean who knows i haven't heard a better theory for the eleven nineteen than what we heard that night about the undertaker's debut so uh, beyond that I don't, I don't know what these numbers could mean well maybe he'll be tweeting something on november 19th. november 19th what what night is november 19th it's, it's uh oh it's a tuesday night maybe he's gonna join us on rewind to raw that night or rewind away yeah yeah, it must be. Or MCU reviews. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Can't wait. 
They recapped last week's NXT, but couldn't even get through the promotion for this week's show because um, bigger things were happening. R-Truth and Carmella ran down to the ring to cut off the promo. Carmella pleads with them to stop chasing them. They've been on the run for months. Carla, Carmella is too stressed, and she can't keep doing this. But it's all a ploy because she rolls up R-Truth and pins him as Michael Cole yells, It was a double cross! And Truth just celebrates with Carmella. Now the women's locker room empties. So apparently this is – this made no sense. This was open to both genders from the get-go, and we've seen women win this. Yeah, pregnant woman. Yes. Um, so Carmella and R-Truth leave through the crowd, uh, but the female geeks that we were introduced included Dana Brooke, Sarah Logan, and there was someone else here. I think the the Iconics were there. I thought I saw one of them. Okay. Yeah. Well, there you go. That's That's your female 24-7 crew. And the men were kind of stuck looking like, oh, what are we going to do now? Because they can't possibly pin Carmella. You know, if oh. if you were going to go the female route, like the Iconics pinning, to, this winning is those, the title for them. 100%. This is the title for them to do these comedy spots. And they're like sharing the title together. Mm-hmm. Like they're co-champions like Michelle McCool and Layla were. I think that's that is a role for the Iconics. It is the comedy belt. It, yes, and, and I think um, you know, I I think our truth has done a great job with it. Drake Maverick has done a great job with it, but it's time to freshen things up and to see what other you know comedic uh, talents other people on the roster have. And I'm 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 a little disappointed it didn't make its way around more of the the, the men's locker room, in particular with with guys like EC3 on TV and also Heath Heath Slater. But I think putting it on, on for the women's division and giving some of those female jobbers some t- time to to get that TV attention is, is a really good move and something that freshens up that division because it needs it. Transition of the night was watching these women chase after Carmella for the title. And then we cut to the back to Sasha Banks and Bailey, who did not break a sweat going after this title. Uh, Banks just says she'll be the only woman standing after the hell in a cell match. Yeah. Is, and and Bailey's not doing anything, right? Bailey was just here tonight. Does she have a match? Nothing set up, but maybe they, maybe they'll do her and Carmella, right? Um, which they are doing that tag match on SmackDown. It's Sasha and Bailey against Charlotte and Carmella coming off of last week. Nakamura gave a motivational speech. Uh, uh, Sami Zayn gave the motivational speech to Shinsuke Nakamura, who responded in Japanese, and Zayn apologized. He's been doing some Duolingo. Yeah, perhaps he wants to unify the Intercontinental Title with the Heavyweight Championship too. Oh, yes. Baron Corbin comes out in his king's outfit. He's, I guess he invested in a new crown and a remixed version of his theme. Yeah, they've added like synthesized horns like to his theme. I don't hate it as an intro, but then like they do the thing that, that they do with the mashups that are just like really sloppy f- cuts into like this new horn thing. That's That sounds really bad. So he's out, and he says that the match will be short, and then never has to wrestle anyone under five foot five again. And under her breath, Renee calls him a d bag. Ouch. King Corbin versus Chad Gable. <laughs> Renee says Chad Gable was an Olympian, but Michael Cole says, "Yeah, but he's not king of the ring." Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 1A, 1B. 
Gable catches him with an arm drag, drop kicks the knee, Corbin goes to the floor. Then Gable gets thrown onto security over the barricade to set up the commercial. And then uh, Corbin's in control. We get the full Nelson chin lock treatment. Runs into a, a Gable runs into a big boot. The crowd is booing him, but it's a very slow match. Uh, Corbin spins around the post on the floor, comes in and takes the the kapu kicks from Gable. Who anytime Gable got some fire, the crowd got into this guy. But as soon as it turned off to Corbin, it was like okay, back to normal. And this just went on and on. Isn't that the point? Um. I just felt like a lot of disinterest when Corbin had the heat here, and it was a lot of it. Um, I will just cut to the chase. I did not think they recreated what they had last week here. But Gable comes back. He hits this German and hits the top rope moonsault for a near fall. His moonsault is gorgeous, and the crowd is chanting for him. Then Gable counters end of days, applies the ankle lock, and the place gets hot. They think he's going to win, and Baron grabs the scepter to hit him for the disqualification and beats him with the scepter. Uh, This went almost 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. I agree with you, John. Not at the level of their previous match. You know, not as much action. It was a much slower pace. Uh, But I was never bored watching this, and I don't think it was necessarily a match done to, you know, make sure the entire thing had the crowd really hot. I feel like it was more so done to make sure that anytime Chad Gable got on offense, his reaction for his stuff was louder and louder and louder. And I thought that they achieved that. You know, I think the King of the Ring uh, has has been very good for, for Baron Corbin, but it's it's as, as much of a push for Chad Gable. And I thought they were really effective here in building him as an underdog. Um, and, you know, momentum continues to come out of this tournament for both men building to another match between the two. I I feel like it's time to add a stipulation, and I think it feels like it's natural progression. I think think they've got something with Chad Gable at the moment. I think that he has gotten over way more than anticipated, and like I, I to me he to he was the the focal point coming out of this match for me. Um I wanted to know where was Corbin's promo for the fatal five way? This guy should have been pissed that he wasn't included in this when there's other guys that were in the same tournament. Guys that he beat. That's a good point. He just won this tournament. What good was this King of the Ring? He's not even one of the top five guys. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, in order to make this King of the Ring, I think, more meaningful, like, it'd be nice if there was a, a stipulation attached to it, like, you know, title match or free Burger King or something. Spandex pants to go with your tank top. Like you can win gear as well. Like you can improve your gear. Oh, yeah. Okay. Get a whole makeover, courtesy of the company. Uh, the company covers the tab. Yeah. AOP promo. We're back in the room, and they say they're gonna. Sh- People are asking who are AOP. Well, we're gonna show you who you are. So all of a sudden they get up, they exit the magical room, and they go out into a new place, the lobby, the hallway, and they just attack two random dudes, and then they return to the room and said, now you know why no one will fight AOP. (laughs) These guys are going to be baby faces. I thought that was was awesome. Really cool. I I think these guys are going to become like these uh, lovable monsters in a a weird way. and. Uh, there's a there's a certain role for that. Um, I, th- I think they're still very much heels at, at this point, but 
I was impressed that they managed to solve Alistair Black's problem that he's he's ha- he had for like what three months. You just opened the door. There's lots of people right there. Oh, this yeah, is a, th- this. Th- this room has coincided with Alistair Black. I guess maybe he he was evicted. His rent ran out. Schreiber is with uh, Ricochet and is asked about winning this match, and he says. It it was it was weird way it was it was like talking to you because if I had a nickel for every time Way has said this line to me, <laughs> everyone has a chance to soar and defy the odds, and a win here proves that <laughs> a win here proves that superheroes can be real, and my time has come. They're trying really hard to make this guy like a real kid's action star, but it is really goofy. Yeah, his delivery is really not the best. Um, and I think it requires like really great ability to, in order to make certain lines like this sound natural. And Ricochet, I think, is still very much working on that. Like the Street Profits sound cool. Yeah. Ricochet does not. Yeah, I don't think the Street Profits I, – I would be willing to bet that the Street Profits probably don't have people like, you know – writing word for word what they're supposed to say. But Ricochet is probably somebody who needs it. Because can you trust, I think, um, the guy to, like, improvise something like this? I don't know how much he's he's given the opportunity to. Um, but it's, it's very short. Like, they keep his lines very quick. He doesn't get the long, drawn-out promos. And maybe that's for the best. But anyway... Um, Fatal Five Way was next. AJ Styles, Shinsuke Nakamura, Ricochet, Rey Mysterio, Robert Roode. It's all uh, single elimination until there's one remaining. Ricochet and Rey work together, and Rey hit this acai moonsault while Ricochet hit a Fosbury flop on the opposite end to set up the first commercial break. Roode and Styles then had a mini TNA reunion, double teaming Ricochet. I think tops five guys chanted TNA in the crowd. And it ended with a breakup where Styles hit Rude with the Pele kick. Nobody was chanting Fortune, Fortune. Oh, so clever. Nakamura then lit up Ricochet with knees. Ray and Ricochet have this showdown. They have a brief interaction where a spinning DDT is blocked by Ricochet. And then Ricochet hit the recoil to Rude, but Nakamura hit Ricochet with the Kinshasa. And Ricochet was the first one out. Yes. Rude then goes for covers on everyone. He's not getting pins. There's a big exchange between Styles and Nakamura, ending with a running knee uh, for a two count by Nakamura. He then sets up for the Kinshasa. He misses. Styles' clash gets blocked, and then Nakamura is sent onto the ropes, gets hit with the 619, and Styles follows up with a brain buster on the edge to Ray. And then the phenomenal forearm is delivered to Nakamura as Rude gets out of the way. So Styles pins and eliminates Shinsuke Nakamura. So we are down to Ray, Rude, and AJ. But Rude immediately uh, eliminates AJ with the glorious DDT, and Way's pick is going to the end here. Robert Rude. Uh, were you on the edge of your seat, or did you fall? I don't. <laughs> I don't know if I made any any picks, but um, oh, yeah. I thought, for, I thought for sure you had your money here on Rude. Uh, the glorious DDT gets countered by Ray. I actually thought Rude. Um, Looked really good here with Ray in particular. Oh, yeah. Um, I think they all looked great. Yeah. I mean, they were, these were all 
Like, this wasn't a short match by any stretch. They got 20 minutes, but uh, once we got into the eliminations, they kind of were just one after the other. But then the glorious DDT gets countered by Ray. He sets up for the 619, but it's missed uh, and hits a spine buster onto Ray for a near fall. Glorious DDT has stopped. He hits the 619 and the splash off the top. Ray gets the big win, but more importantly, he's a great father because he dedicated this to Dominic and he won the match. Yeah, I'm happy for Dominic. Oh my God. Could you imagine if Dominic's in his corner next week? And then as Rollins is fighting Ray, the fiend goes after Dominic. Hell yeah. That'll be great. That'll be and awesome. And then Dominic goes to the dark side. He's Tyler Fullington leaving the Sandman to join Raven. You know, that sounds wonderful. It sounds like a fairy tale come true. Oh, that's a real fiend no, storyline. Taking someone's kid away from him and, uh, putting him under his mind control. But then you got to have Ray versus the Fiend. You're going to do that? You could do that. Do Bray, do Bray but, and But there's Ray. no way Ray can beat beat the Fiend. Or there's no way they would have Ray beat the Fiend. No, he'd, no he'd lose and then Dominic would just be possessed forever. I don't have an issue with that either. Um Anyway, I thought this was an excellent match. You know, I thought it really delivered. There were a lot of great moments, but I I do think the guy who stood out and probably by design was Robert Roode. They gave him a, yep. a, a, a pinfall over AJ Styles, you know, and they let him be the final two. So it was a great deal of spotlight put on Robert Roode that allowed him to, like, f- feel like he belonged in the upper mix, you know, without actually even having to, to win the match. So he's got a pinfall over Seth Rollins, and now he's got a pinfall over the Intercontinental – or the U.S. champion, AJ Styles. So he's just lining up these title shots. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if they recognize that- this is gate, this is ghetto style booking. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, I I would assume. I think I, you know, obviously Paul Heyman. I think is if he's involved here, probably really likes Robert Roode. Rollins is backstage. He says Ray earned the opportunity. He's wanted to have this match his whole career, but he still has to face Braun tonight, and he's also got the Fiend at Hell in a Cell. He's not thrilled about any of it, but he's going to survive prevail and burn it down oh gross <laughs> really so, gross. i just find him more and more obnoxious every time i hear him speak so the idea here is that this guy is being run ragged he's got match big match after big match and i guess you're kind of setting things up that he should be weakened going into hell in a cell with all these big matches that he's had right yeah so i think that was by design to uh to push they went over everything for the season premiere next week. Brock's return, Hogan Flair on Miz TV, Seth Rollins versus Ray, which should be a great match, and Sasha Banks versus Alexa Bliss. Yeah, it seems like a big show next week, and I thought they did a good job promoting it. Yeah, so you're going to get Hogan and Flair on Raw next week, uh, four days before they're on the first SmackDown on Fox. Did they announce them for SmackDown too? They've announced Hogan. I believe they've announced Flair for that as well. Hogan for sure. See, I, then I, I would question why you would have Hogan on this one, because I think you could have done just Flair or... It's a season premiere way. Yeah, I mean, certainly it makes it less special, but okay. Hey, we didn't we didn't talk about this, but uh, something that was a very clear-cut angle was the, the Goldberg-Dolph Ziggler deal that they did in Vegas over the weekend. Actually, I missed it. Oh, so this was... Uh, they did... Roy Nelson was in the middle of this. They had... Really? They were basically... They were at a restaurant, and they had like a pull-apart together. Like, clear 1,000% angle. But it makes me think that maybe they're looking at doing that match again on... I would do that on Fox. Like, that could be something... You know, you're going to get your first two weeks with the draft and the first show. 
Maybe that's something week three or four when you really need something. Goldberg Wrestling on Fox, build that up for a week or two. So um, I'm, it was done for a reason. And they're doing angles now on uh, Instagram. Yeah, and I guess they have like this weird – I guess they want to make it feel real, so they couldn't acknowledge it on – actually, Renee did mention it at one point, but it was very subtle uh, regarding Dolph Ziggler, and she had a line about Bill Goldberg. But it was very, very subtle. Okay, cool. So anyway, uh, and Goldberg is advertised for that first week uh October 4th. So maybe that's where you do you set you set up the match. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can't really speak for it, but I I personally didn't even hear about this and I'm on on this stuff all the time, so. Well, then it was too hidden hidden, yeah. obviously. I wonder. Uh the SmackDown promo for tomorrow night, um Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan are going to talk things out. They're going to clear the air. All right. Tune in Tuesday night. Um, they also said Shane McMahon is inviting Kevin Owens to sort out their lawsuit. Reed set up their match. The video package for this was hilarious. It's like, like the most dramatic, like, you know, type of like voiceover talking about <laughs> Shane McMahon has been served. Legal documents. <laughs> um, they didn't mention the women's tag match, but that was promoted online uh, that we mentioned earlier. Seth Rollins, Braun Strowman, non-title match. Uh, Braun was just hitting all of his shoulder blocks. Rollins fought back. The pedigree got stopped, so he's incorporating that one on the regular. Strowman's knee got wrapped around the post. Rollins hit a blockbuster. Frog splash times two, but Braun kicked out. Stomp gets uh, stopped, and then the power slams avoided. Rollins hit a pair of suicide dives, but then on the third one, he stumbled and got caught. And then there was a running shoulder tackle to Seth. Power slam onto the floor, and he's going for another power slam in the ring when the lights start to turn off for the Fiend, and you just hear Braun yell, Where are you? And the Fiend appears, puts the mandible claw onto Strowman, and then he crawls towards Seth, and I quote, Ah! Ah! Seth had to scream like he was a 10-year-old that uh, spider had climbed onto him. Wait, was it Seth or was it was it Braun? No, it was Seth it was that Seth? was yelling. Yell oh, Seth was screaming. And then he goes back to Braun and applies the mandible claw. And the lights go out and it goes off the air with the fiend's laughter. Oh, sorry. I meant Bray. I, th I thought I heard Bray like, be the one that was screaming. but uh, I'm almost positive it was Seth that was the one screaming here at the end. Right. You know, it's it's certainly one thing for them to, like, sacrifice Kane or Mick Foley for a spot like this, but it's certainly another to, to sacrifice one of your biggest stars. And then having the Fiend take out Strowman, I thought was really great. A great way to establish that, you know, this guy ranks up here, which is above Braun Strowman, which is already really high. So um, Rollins continuing to, like, stay in the ring looking scared, even though, like, the threat was clearly over, I, I thought looked a little bit silly. Um, the match was, was fine. Yeah, like it was, you know, I think, uh, the level that you, you've come to expect from these two, it's a match we've seen often worthy TV main event, but it was really the angle that I think, um, mattered. Yeah, it was all right. It seems the, again, with the, with the fiend, with Braun, I think that's something that will be revisited given the history of the two. I took that to be what the video was alluding to earlier and, yeah, where where Braun fits in, I don't know, but it's I'm sure this will be followed up upon. He's not going to be just another face on the wall. So, do we see Braun after this? Well, it seems that 
it's like it's kind of set up now that you can you could keep Braun off next week and he could be your person to like break into the cell and cause some kind of non-finish. Um they've introduced that. Um there was my my theory on the on the Undertaker in there. It seems like they they have set up like a bunch of potential programs for the Fiend um beyond Seth Rollins. So yeah, I could see them maybe keeping Braun away and then he could return at Hell in a Cell. Yeah, they could do that. Or he doesn't have anything else going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you feel about the show overall? I actually enjoyed Raw. Uh, I thought, you know, the matches, I feel like there weren't too many, but I think they were all given like a decent amount of time. And I think technically they were they were all pretty good, except, you know, even if the, the audience reactions weren't that great for some of them. But um, to me, it was like a good show that made sense. Nothing that made me want to uh, die uh, on this uh, episode, unlike last That's week. That's great. So, um, and I thought they did a great job promoting next week's uh, season premiere. They, they they promoted a lot for next week. I thought that this Raw, I thought some of the matches had too much time. I thought that there was there were some that really worked. I enjoyed the the Viking Raiders match. The Fatal Five Way was was very good. Um, some of the others, though, it was like I, I really felt the times on, on on some of these. It just felt like at times there there was a lot of drag for me on this show. But angle wise, I think they have a lot of interesting things going on at the moment. And I think the fiend is really carrying a lot of interest at the moment. I think that they've done a fantastic job with this character that it's fresh every week. It's, it's, it's met it, like he feels like he is the star of the show at the moment. Everything is built around this guy now on raw, but he's not overexposed either. Yeah. He's like, you know, like a really great dessert that you look forward to. Great analogy. The forum Gives this show a 5.85. Jeez. Wow. Okay. Let's hear it. Paul from New Jersey. Glad to see the Viking Raiders getting reaction from the crowd. After the whole name and debut fiasco, I thought they might have been dead on arrival. The crowd booing hearing the name Hogan. Well, there you go. Uh, People picked up on that. I missed this. Um, Proud of you, San Francisco. The Edmonton affair might be my favorite thing Lacey Evans has ever done. Speaking of affairs, Renee mentioning Carmella and Corey Graves together was playfully odd. Okay, that's going to be heavily covered on Total Divas, so there's a reason they're bringing that up. Uh, She says, I believe that Renee also said Rusev is back after a month. Might be metric or something. Happy for the Billy Kay sighting, even though she is a 24-7 scrub now. I don't ask for much. 7 out of 10. His question for Way. Was the King Corbin remix better than the previous remixes of the Kabuki variety? I think you answered that. Yeah, I think it was at least better than that. Yeah, sure. <laughs> we got a Will from Toronto who says, Had an incredibly long day and fell asleep watching Raw, but was awoken to whatever that annoying sound is that is attached to the fiend. I think he means the... <laughs> it's going to be a ringtone. I'm absolutely loving the whole gimmick, but I just can't help but think they're going to throw all the hype out the window at the next pay-per-view. Listen, they have been batting very solid with this character so far. So I think with this character, they really do deserve the benefit of the doubt. Because, you know, by this point, from the time they introduced those vignettes to now, this has been months. And I think they've done a pretty consistently great job with this character. MJ, The Fiend is the best executed idea and gimmick since when? Why is Rollins just sitting in the corner stupefied? Is it my dislike of what Seth has become, or is that so cowardly? Well, you didn't get mugged by five people this week, but maybe the power slam was the equivalent of being hit by five men simultaneously. That'll be his explanation. 
We get to Andy from Columbus who says, Very strong outing tonight, and I give a lot of the credit to a hot crowd in the new building. Add to that, lots of good wrestling, and no Mike and Maria, you've got yourself an 8 out of 10. My one major qualm is with Seth's fiend phobia. I know he's supposed to be really scary, but I think they're doing some damage to who is supposedly their top baby face with every passing week that he cowers in fear. Maybe we're going to see like black uh, goo come down from his forehead next week when he's got like a white jacket on. Yeah, what was that from? Oh, that yes, yes, of course. Yeah, and he'll get appendicitis. Yeah, and vomit. <laughs> next up, this was my first time seeing wrestling live. Okay, they were in the show. They were at the show. It was really fun. This episode of Raw didn't seem that good though. All the seats weren't filled, and I was surprised at how cheap these tickets were. From being here, The Fiend, Rey Mysterio, and Charlotte in a dark match got the biggest pops of the night. I'm torn on if I should go to SmackDown. Thanks for everything. Well, there you go. Go to SmackDown. It's the last one on Tuesday. The last Tuesday night SmackDown. What a what a historic night. And, I, and, and what do you think it means for 205? I don't know yet, but I think we're going to know that pretty soon. We gotta, they've got to, they've, yeah, they've got to make a strong decision on that. We got a Chris from Pennsylvania who says lots of good stuff tonight. And the Fiend is always a highlight of the show. And oddly enough, the same can be said for Baron Corbin. Now, I was curious to know how long you guys think the Seth Bray match will go at the pay-per-view. The way they have been building the Fiend, it feels like he should win in convincing fashion. But with this being a hell in a cell match, I can't see them only going eight to 10 minutes. How do you guys think that should be handled? Sorry, that was for the uh, the Rollins. Seth and Bray. How long do you yeah. think it'll go? For a pay-per-view. I think that match has to go on last. I unless, think it has to go last, but how long? Um, if it's going on last, I think I think it's got to go at least 10 minutes. Not necessarily. They've, gone, they've done like Goldberg matches that have been shorter than that. But if it's a cell match, I, I do think the expectation is going to be something a bit lengthier. You know, you can't just do a two-minute match with a cell. Yeah, I mean, if you if you're putting the title on the fiend, I'm not opposed to like you just go all the way and he beats him in convincing fashion. Um, I forget what the Balor match did. They have like all the lights and all the gimmicks. Yeah, and that match went like under five. So you can expect like a Hell in a Cell, but with like crazy fancy lighting um, for or special effects of some sort. Um, yeah, the I, entrance is a big part of him. I'm expecting just like craziness, like in the form of like production and i think like the the lighting and the special effects you know maybe he'll start the match on top of the cell something crazy like that Mm -hmm. so um i think there are ways around it beyond just having them wrestle to make it a 10 minute substantial you know 10 minute plus substantial match you know and, and that's what i'm expecting Brandon from Oshawa writes, I was going to come here and complain about Seth Rollins, but I see others have already done so, which continues to tell me that this guy is one of the worst top baby faces in recent memory. Unfortunately, all this leads to is Rollins gaining a new name in the Fiend Slayer and Bray Wyatt once again losing in a big match. There are now multiple outs for them to get out of this with The Undertaker possibly avenging Kane and now Braun Strowman potentially getting revenge. I personally hope Bray Wyatt wins the title, stays on Raw, and makes it the more entertainment-based show and SmackDown with Lesnar as champion and the more sports-based product. Uh, there's probably nothing you can do to more differentiate things than putting the titles on those respective individuals, as we said. Yeah. Fine. Uh, oh, wait. We got a few more. We go to John from the 810 who says, This was a tough watch. 
I commend you guys for doing this every week. I've actually gone back into the archives and listened to your WCW New Blood Rising watch-along from your 6th anniversary show. This was much more entertaining than this episode of Raw. I feel like the crowd is already tiring of The Fiend. That, along with the very tiring act of Braun Strowman, made this show drag. 2 out of 10. Makes me appreciate NXT that much more, and I can't wait for AEW to begin. All right, uh, we're going to do one last one here. Alexander from Portland. Congrats to Bray Wyatt. He's become the most overstar in WWE, and he barely wrestles. Not a fan of King Corbin's theme, but I dig his wardrobe. Uh, The commentary, though, made too many Game of Thrones references. Very excited for AOP. Curious why they initially uh, were given Drake Maverick when they're both good promos. Very fun show overall. His question, with Lesnar getting the title shot from Kofi, where do you see Randy Orton going next? I can't see that next program for him on SmackDown, but he's such a utility player that I don't want him drafted to Raw. Personally, I would love to see him go to NXT and have a storyline similar to Cesaro and Zayn. I do not see Randy Orton going to NXT. Um, <laughs> I I guess it's up in the air. He could end up on Raw or SmackDown. He's not tied to anyone now, but um, I do hope they keep the... I, I do like the pairing with the revival i really do too and you know can we think of any other like trios um like i think randy versus ricochet might be a a really interesting program or even randy like chad gable uh at this point i feel like there are a lot of great baby faces for randy and and the revival to feud with like you can even do yeah like war raiders with the revival now so I think there are a lot of possibilities and I would probably look towards like moving Randy and the revival. Actually, are they going to stay on SmackDown now because they're the champions? So yep. yeah, they need to explain all of that stuff um, mm-hmm. uh, for, for next week. Like they uh, or, or sorry, we, we are two weeks away from the draft. So, so right. they do have some time, but I, I think you do need to explain how this draft is, uh, is going to work so people can anticipate it and kind of come up with these scenarios and such. And as far as AOP goes, I mean, I think we've seen that they can cut promos in this environment, but maybe they were at that point largely untested in front of an audience, and maybe that's where they thought Maverick was going to come in. But clearly, you know, both teams, uh, both Maverick better, and- better apart. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up the uh, the season finale of Rewind a Raw. But next week will be the season premiere, so you don't have to wait very long. No summer season to of reruns. Um, that is it, though. We'll be back on Tuesday night for our final Tuesday night edition of Rewind to SmackDown. Uh, but that show is not going anywhere. Just moving to a new night of the week. Um, are, are we going to have to have? Uh, do we have to invite all the all the stars from the past for our first uh, Rewind to SmackDown? Um, sure. And we'll, we'll, we'll write sketches for all of them. They'll all be like a minute long, so they won't get time to get over or leave any lasting memory, but we'll, we'll fit as many people as we can onto one show. Yeah. Anybody who's ever co-hosted, um, you're welcome. <laughs> all right. That's going to wrap up the show. So thanks to everyone for listening. Of course, go check out postwrestling.com, postwrestlingcafe.com, and we'll speak with you Tuesday night.